Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. I'm excited about today's episode. We are going to talk about money. That's right, money. How, how to make that dollar dollar bill, yo. Um, because we all know that financial strain is uh, a motivating, I don't want to say motivating, that's the wrong word. Um, is one of the major stressors in a lot of people's lives. Financial stress, debt, uh, sometimes it leads us to make some permanent uh, decisions. And uh, so we want to talk about how to, we're going to talk about a couple things. One, I'm going to talk to you about my financial History, debacle, uh, living out my car, almost evicted, um, school debt, like all this stuff. Uh, Then we're going to talk about five ways to uh, handle your student debt. We're also going to talk about uh, financial options for people who have debt, if you have any debt. And then we're going to talk about, I was going to talk about what are the six basic needs? Because some some of us have financial trouble, not because we're not making enough money, but uh, we make it and we spend it or we gamble it. And so we're not, we're not really able to hold on to it or we don't understand it. And so it's it's coming and going, and we're not keeping track of it. So we're going to talk about what it what are the six basic needs? Because once you are able to identify what your needs are, then you can make your financial decisions based on that. And then we'll talk about the true key to wealth, the the single the the one factor that truly defines wealth. And so we're going to unpack all that in today's episode. Uh, But of course, before we get into that, we always love to give out the phone numbers. Um, And I pray for the day that I don't have to give this phone number out because one, either everybody knows the phone number uh, and they're calling it, or two, uh, we live in a world where nobody needs to know or call the phone number. That that would be ideal and, and a beautiful thing. So uh, once again, 1-800-SUICIDE or 784-2433. That's the suicide hotline, um, suicide prevention hotline, I should say. Um, and then the other phone number is one 800 Two seven three eight two five five, and that's if you just need someone to talk to if you're feeling uh, disconnected, lonely, um, bothered, hurt, uncomfortable. Uh, if you have just if you have financial questions, if you need someone to talk to about your finances, this number is also the the suicide number is also the number you can call. These people are trained to help you through your marital issues, through your financial issues, and not that they have the answers, but they can direct you to the resources, to the people, 
to the, the, the companies, to the, excuse me, uh, I just, I ate pizza and I never, I can't remember the last time I ate pizza and it's, it's all really just starting to um, show itself right now. Um, but they are, are trained and they have the numbers and the resources and the people that you can talk to to help you through whatever it is you need to talk about. If you, if you stubbed your toe, call them, talk to them. They're there to listen and to validate and to empathize and to mirror um, all the things that um, are that you. Remember, there's not, and I say this, there's not a hierarchy of pain. So if you're like, well, this isn't important enough for me to call the number, okay? Talk to someone. Talk to someone. Um, with that said, talking about talking to someone, a few episodes ago, and I forget which episode it was, I talked about a friend of mine who uh, called me and, and uh, expressed some suicidal ideations, and I went over there, talked to him, spent a few hours with him, and uh, found out that he had a plan. He had written up a plan, and he had uh, written up a will, and... Uh, at that moment, when I found that out, uh, I made the decision, even though I spent a few hours with him and he was crying and I mean, just a bunch of emotional ups and downs and uh, he had been drinking and uh, uh, some other drug use. Uh, but once I found out that he had a plan and had written up a will, I made the tough decision to, and I say tough, uh, or let me tell you what I did. So I made the tough decision to call uh, the police and so that they can assess him and determine if he if they were going to uh, admit him for uh, 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 like I think it's a three day. like It's called a 5150, I believe, where they admit you into a a psych uh, psych ward for a few days just uh, to to uh, evaluate you, look at you, observe you, and uh, and then hopefully you know you uh, they'll uh, release you after a few days of just checking in on you and uh, counseling and things like that. And and I know that that is every person's worst nightmare is that you tell somebody your what you're feeling or thinking, and then they call the police on you and they show up and they just. But I felt like once you tell me that you've written, not just thinking about it, but had having written up the plan, writing the will, I, I like I was like I. It wasn't so much that I wanted to see this person in there. It was I want to see this person live, and I want to see this person again, and I want this person to be able to shine. And I want to buy this person time. And that was um, the only way I could I could see to do it. The officers arrived and they determined that he did not need to be uh, admitted. Um, and and I will say that I there was a period where the person was upset with me. 
which I expected. I expected the person to be upset with me uh, for calling the officers, and they uh, had a, a they felt like I betrayed them. And I'm sharing this story with you because I want to let you know that because some of I know some of my listeners are people who are listening for someone else. They're trying to figure out how to help someone else, and I'm sharing this story with you because I, I want you to understand that it. It is a challenging uh, position sometimes to have to make the phone call, to call yourself, to love someone and care about someone so much that you may do something to jeopardize the relationship. And sometimes you, I, I, I was in a place where I was like, this person is more important than our relationship. Right. Like their life, them living. I I wanted them to live so much and to continue on that I accepted that if he never wanted to be my friend or talk to me again, I could live with that because I wanted to feel like I did everything I could so that this person could see another day. And uh, I found out that the person was upset. And um, but. Some time has passed. The beautiful thing is time has passed. And then I get this wonderful text message from this person. And also, I want to also say the other reason why I did it is because I was I was encouraging this person. I was like, you know, to to go to rehab, to get therapy, to do all these different things. And, and they were resistant and reluctant to it. And And, you know, so that thing kind of really scared me also. But update is the person is now uh, almost a month sober, no drugs, no alcohol or anything, and not going to a therapist and going to uh, group therapy. Uh, so the person in, and I'm not, I'm not saying this like, oh, I did this because I, there were so many people who were rooting for this person, who helped this person out, who uh, other people, you know, there are other people in this person's life that uh, uh, from uh, his significant other to family, friends, uh, and childhood friends. So there were a lot of people involved in this turnaround. My point is, um, is that, you know, Sometimes you have to sacrifice your relationship with the person in order to help the person. One and two, that if you are a person struggling, know that it it can get better, but you have to make the effort. You have to make the phone call. You have to talk to a therapist. You have to go to group meetings. You have to like, you know, kick the drugs and go sober. But the beautiful thing is, is that it can be done because people are doing it. People are, are making those changes. So, um, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, I'm proud of, of my friend for, um, taking, taking back their life, being proactive, making the effort and and uh, and getting the help 
that they need to to really shine, to really show up 100% and be present and be who they are. So um, I just want to share that with you all, and uh, I hope that that story is encouraging, and uh, and I hope that you know you you get from it that um, we we have to act, we have to act. And it's not always an easy decision, uh, the things that we have to do. All right. Um, And speaking of which, you know, because I was talking to a a buddy of mine. I I did some shows last night at the Comedy Magic Club. And, you know, we were talking about how just looking at comedians, because, you know, if if this is your first time tuning in, I do stand-up comedy. And, you know, there's so many comics when they're starting out who are struggling and and, and going through a lot of – different moods and emotions and things like that. But then when they start to get money, you can see this, you can see that them grow exponentially. You can just see them flourish and take off. And, and, um, and and so that's why it's so important for us to be not just thinking about our, our physical health and our mental health, but we also have to consider our financial health because as you know, if you're in debt, if you owe money, if if you're under the if you're it was it underwater underwater that could show up as physical pains that can show up as ulcers and hypertension and headaches and uh, back pain and um uh what is it what's the other, you know ulcers and insomnia and things like that so if you are uh, experiencing any of those physical symptoms, it, usually it's because there are, um, you know, there's stress and the weight of not handling your financial symptoms. I myself, um, I was, you know, close to eviction out of my apartment, I, but it got kicked out, but not, you know, uh, not legal, not on paper evicted, but there was the, the warning on the door. So I had to get out because I wasn't paying my rent and I was 25 just moved out to LA and I uh, was just running out of money because I was pursuing the comedy dream the acting dream well it was more of the acting dream of and the problem with acting is that because the auditions are during the day during working hours I, it was hard for me to make consistent money at work because I was having to take days off to audition so I would have to take an entire day off work for a five-minute audition because the audition would be at like 10 a.m. There weren't auditions at like 5 a.m. in the morning or 8 p.m. at night. They were all during regular business hours. So that's why a lot of uh, you know beginning actors take uh, waiter um, you know, uh, and, and waitressing jobs and serving jobs and uh, night jobs and security jobs like that. And when I first moved out here, I took a bunch of, I was a, a teacher. I was trying to get those service jobs, but they wouldn't hire me for whatever reason. Um, and I actually had to downplay my, because I have a master's, I had to downplay my education just so I could get, um, just so I could apply for some of those jobs and be even be considered. the. And so that led me to some financial uh, issues, trying to balance both auditioning and keeping a day job and then um uh and then I was living out my car for a few years uh like like years I was it was embarrassing I was substitute teaching 
and like would like park my car in front of the school and then the kids coming into school would wake me up Mr. Flower it's time for school and uh, I would wake up and, and wipe the crust out of my eyes and then go in and teach and uh, so it was a it was a battle so I understand financial struggle I understand uh, being in debt uh, but I also understand I, part of me was there because I, I refused to ask for help I felt like it was a burden I felt like it was I put myself in a situation, so I had to get myself out. And, you know, now I'm learning that people, when people are financially struggling, like even people who are rich and wealthy, like they don't suffer alone. Like they let the people know, they ask for help, they apply for all those student loans and government loans, and they want tax breaks. And that's why these companies have lobbyists. Those are lobbyists are basically people begging uh, the government to either give the companies more money or uh, create laws so that the companies can make more money or remove laws so that the government, you know, it's just like, you know, they're, they're just lobbyists or, or beggars for these uh, huge corporations from Facebook to Google to all these alcohol and drug companies and firearms and, and things like that. So, um even companies making millions and billions of dollars are constantly trying to find ways to cut corners and make money and save money and things like that. And they have people who are pleading with the government. So if these companies are asking for help, is my point, then you also can ask for help. And and don't be, don't feel like you have to go at this alone. Um, so let's talk about um, just, you know, four things that you can do if you feel overwhelmed by debt. Let's talk about that. Uh, the first thing you can do is call the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Uh, it's the nation's largest and longest serving nonprofit financial counseling organization. They offer credit and debt counseling. And Debtors Anonymous meetings give uh, attendees hope, support, and skills needed to manage their debt. So you can go to Debtors Anonymous, and they will help you out. Um, and uh, the na- I have a friend who actually went to Debtors Anonymous, and it really helped her manage her money because what you'll find is that a lot of times we think we're not making enough when the truth is we are making enough. We're just spending beyond our means. Uh, but some of us truly aren't making enough, which I understand. So go there and they will help you figure out how to manage your money because there are a lot of sharks out there and people who prey on people who owe money. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't know what companies are legit and are up and up, they will, um, they will take advantage of you and make your situation worse. Um, the second thing to realize if you're overwhelmed by debt is your debt is not a reflection of your worthiness. If you owe 50 grand or 100 grand or a million, it's not a reflection of your personal value. Uh, remember, the U.S. government is in debt. I think we owe a couple trillion to China. So if we owe trillions to China and we're still walking around like, hey, we're the number one country, I, I think we're, you're okay, right, right? You don't owe trillions. Nobody, I can guarantee none of my listeners owe trillions of dollars in debt. 
However, even if you owe $10, it can feel like a trillion dollars if you have no dollars. So I completely understand that. And, uh, but it's not a reflection of who you are, okay? It's, it's what you do and, and what you owe is not who you are. Um, who you are is determined by your own set of values and morals. Um, the third thing is, you know, because remember, like your debt is just a function of the decisions that you've made around spending and saving. And those in terms are skills that can improve with support. So I'm going to say that again. Your debt, your debt, what you owe is a function of the decisions that you've made around spending and saving. And those, in turn, are skills that you can improve with support. So you can improve the skills that got you in debt in the first place. Those are skills, right? People who make money, is a, is a, is a, they have a certain skill and uh, knowledge and, and uh, way of navigating financial uh, solutions. So um, know that you can improve your I've, you know, I've started saving money. And uh, and it's beautiful to watch it uh, grow and flourish. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, the third way, uh, if you're feeling overwhelmed by your debt, is, as always, choose life. It can be debilitating to feel that we can never get past our financial hurdles, but ultimately the debt is, uh, the debt can wait. So if you're unable to move forward, let it wait. But if you must sell your car and downsize into a smaller living place, do it. Look, when I was I when when I was being evicted, I just I decided immediately or pseudo when I was kicked out. Evicted is like some stuff that goes in your record. I don't have an eviction on my record. Um when I was being kicked out of my apartment my last day. I just accepted it and I decided I was only going to keep the things that could fit into my car because I was like, I'm going to live out my car and I was, and not only fit into my car, but fit into the trunk of my car because I knew if I had a bunch of stuff in my back seat and front seats, people would break in, you know? So I, even though I was living out my car, I didn't want to look like I lived out my car. So I got rid of anything that would not fit into, and so I, you know, I kept the things that I valued, which were like my books and uh, clothes, and I got rid of a bunch of clothes also, though, like it was just like the clothes I needed to work out, and then the clothes I needed to teach, and uh, toiletries, it was very organized, actually, my trunk, it was clean, it was organized, um, there's a part of me that misses it because it was just such a simple lifestyle. I had a, a membership to 24-Hour Fitness. It was a 24-hour gym, so I would shower there. And I was in great shape because I was always at the like, – like when you live out your car and your only means to shower is at the gym, you're going to work out. You just don't walk into the gym and don't work out. Like you, you're going to go, well, I'm going to get like a 20- or 30-minute workout in. And then plus you're living out your car, you're not – really in a rush to go back to your car. So there were benefits. I, I don't want to, you know, paint this sad story of, uh, you know, living out my car. Actually, there there were some benefits uh, to it. So nothing I want to go back to. I also, however, I wouldn't mind, I was uh, bike riding with a friend today. I wouldn't mind uh, renting an RV 
and um, driving, you know, coast to coast um, across America, you know, for a few months, you know, put the put the dog in. I don't even have a dog, but I would get a dog just to drive coast to coast and let the dog run wild and blah, 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 blah. So um, I'm not no no PTSD from living in the car. That's not true. There is a little. But anyway, uh, number four, if you're feeling overwhelmed by debt, know that you have rights, right? These the debt collectors. Look, like I said, I've had debt and I and I still I owe some money now that I I, uh, went to the hospital, had some medical bills. And so right now uh, I have some letters that I'm looking at right now in front of me. That uh, starting to pile up because you know it's like you go to the doc. I went to the hospital. I had some chest pain. I'm fine, thank God. Uh, I just ate too much salt, <laughs> which uh, gave me a little uh, gave me some chest pains. But um, so I, you know, I go to the hospital and you get a bill, right? And you think it's the only bill, but they they the hospitals outsource so many things that uh, I go, oh, this is the bill? That's great. And then I get a second bill from a because the the hospital has their billing thing, but then uh, the person who attended to you works with another company, so they send you their bill, and then the machine they used is part of another company, so then you get that. So you just get all these random medical bills, and then you're not quite sure how much you owe in total. And then, so there was a lot of anxiety around that and a lot of questions and like, what, what is this? I'm not sure uh, who I should pay and what I should pay. Um, but just so, you know, then the phone calls start to come in. I, I was getting those, a bunch of 1-800 or 1-888. And then they get sneaking a, and they use the local um, uh, phone numbers of your area to make you feel like, a friend is calling that you just forgot to put into your cell phone. So uh, know that you have rights. You can uh, contact the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's consumer protection agency, and uh, they enforce the Fair Debt Collection Practice Act, which prohibits debt collectors from using abusive, unfair, or deceptive practices to collect from you. If you're contemplating um, completing, uh, look, uh, well, I was reading something. I don't want to read that. So basically, you have rights, and and know that if you feel like you've been abused or or being uh, treated unfairly, then um, contact the uh, the Federal Trade Commission and just know what your rights are, and know uh, you know can they call me at midnight and wake me up? Can they send me twelve letters? Can they threaten to you know? Um, show up at your job or, or, you know, whatever it is, they, you know, they can, they can make some pretty, uh, ominous threats. So, uh, know that you have rights and, and like I said, know that your debt is not a reflection of who you are or, or your worthiness. It's, uh, money is a thing. If, if you're not here, um, you know, nobody wins, nobody wins. So let's just, let's just keep, let's keep moving forward. Right. Uh, Warren Buffett has a quote and he talks about talking about wealth because I'm a, you know, I'm a, not a Warren Buffett fan, but I like to read about billionaires and, and people who have made their money just to try to hack 
some of the basic principles. And he said the three things that have led to his wealth are one, being born in America, two, um, lucky genes. And all right, I'm going to get back to that. And three, compound interest. So for two lucky genes, I'm so glad he mentioned that part of his success is attributed to his genetics and, uh, uh, you know, being a little lucky because he's really smart. He really understands numbers. And so it's one thing to be like, oh, yeah, he just works hard and, uh, you know, slow and easy is the way and he just saves money and blah, blah, blah. But his brain works uh, at a different level than most people's brains. And so and he's aware of that. It's you no, know, it's not. It's like same thing with genetics. Is like Usain. It's like Usain Bolt saying, "Oh, he's the fastest guy because he works hard." Yeah, part of it is that you work hard and you show up and you go to practice and you eat right and you train and all those other things. But the other part, Usain Bolt, is that you uh, had the genetics that uh, um, that when you applied effort and and hard work and skill to it that allows you to flourish because if um you know if Donald Trump trained the way you did he would not get the results that you have let's be honest right so lucky genes compound interest a lot of us and so what is compound interest right we talk about uh your savings account uh, if you have an, um, a 401k, anything compound interest is just when you have money, um, you know, in something that is just accruing more money without you even having to do anything to it. So savings accounts are usually the uh, cheapest and lowest uh, compound in, um, um lowest forms of compound interest, right? Because like I have my money in a savings account, not all of it, but uh, some of my money's in a compound interest. And I think the compound interest is like one point something percent. And it's not a lot. It used to be more than that back in the day. It used to be like 3% or 4%, something like that. And, and so if you have it in a savings account, know that you're getting the least amount of compound interest for your money. And and so if you can put it in a 401k and the company that you're with is matching the money that you're putting in, that is a great way to go. Uh, Stocks will have uh, some form of interest. If you put your money in the stocks, that's great. The, um, you know, sometimes a company if you if you invest in a company, I don't I don't really have my money in anything. I have my money in a um, American Express savings account, which has a little bit higher interest rate, but it's low risk. I don't like anything risky. I'm not looking to make uh, trillions of dollars. I like to keep things simple, and uh, and I used to have stock, and I've lost. A lot of money in stock, not like millions or anything like that, but uh, a lot of money to me and uh, has made me shy away from stocks. And um, and I also realize like stocks really aren't the way to go. Not not for me and, and not for my taste. 
I'd rather um, generate money. And another way to you know generate compound interest is like pe- like put something out online. So when people are creating um, videos or, or products or even music, like that's generating compound interest because it's constantly making more money uh, year after year. Or that's more like passive income. Sorry, that's not compound interest. That's passive income. So find a way to, and if you don't know what compound interest is, that's another reason to call these different financial companies and and talk to them because they'll walk you through different ways that you can generate compound interest. And that's money that you can make without having to work for it. You want to you want to ideally be making more money from your compound interest than um, than the money that you have to show up and work for. I clock in and clock out. That's just not a good way to to uh, secure future because if you get sick or injured, then you're not making any money. But if you have your money in something that's making compound interest, then uh, you're still making money whether you're working or not. Now. Let's talk about if you have student loan debt, which a lot of people do. And there are five ways out of your student loan debt, okay? Number one, move to another country to avoid student debt. And I know that sounds crazy. Hear me out. Have you ever heard of the foreign earned income exclusion? It's called F-E-I-E. All right? Uh legitimately to pay as little as $0 a month on your student loans. These loans are not in default, delinquent, or otherwise late. You have to qualify, but it's not that difficult to take advantage of. In fact, um, after about 20 to 25 years of low payments, assuming you live abroad for the entire period, at the end of the repayment, they will owe you will owe taxes on the foreign amount but that's easy to plan for. Uh, many expats make the mistake of using alternative income documentation instead of tax returns in the case of living overseas. You can show a zero taxable income if you qualify to get those $0 payments. All right, so move to another country, foreign earned income exclusion. Basically, if you're making money overseas uh, for 20, 25 years, they will uh, basically forgive your loan and you might just have to pay the taxes on the money that you've earned while living overseas. So check that out, foreign earned income exclusion. Uh, The second way is use student loan forgiveness to avoid the full weight of your debt. Many borrowers who reach out uh, to me, uh, they, they suffer from depression because... They've paid extra on their loans only to watch the balance stay the same or even grow. Instead of doing that, what about paying your loans back on the pay-as-you-earn program for 20 years? It's called P-A-Y-E, pay-as-you-earn program. The payments never go higher than 10% of your discretionary income, and you pay income tax on the foreign amount at the end of the repayment. In reality, the IRS might use the insolvency rule to prevent any taxes from coming out of your pocket at the end. Okay, I wouldn't plan on that, but it's something that might happen nonetheless. You can also use forgiveness programs like public service 
loan forgiveness to pay zero taxes on the uh, forgiven balance after making payments for 10 years. So once again, that one is called public service loan forgiveness, right, to pay zero taxes. Uh, The third way is use forbearance until your mental health is better, right? Uh, Student loan forbearance and deferment are a lousy way to handle your student loans for an extended period. Um, But if you're struggling, the payments will stop. You'll buy yourself time to get help by seeking therapy and counseling or other uh, resources. And then you can restart repayments once you're ready, okay? Um, it's just a great way for bands. I had my loans deferred for a while, and now I'm paying, I'm actually paying like $5 uh, a month on my student loans. I, I, if I never pay it back, that's fine. I've accepted that because it's it's such an insane amount. For uh, one year, I had my undergrad paid for. I had my first year of grad school paid for. And I would have had my second year of grad school paid for, but I kind of screwed around. And and so I had to pay for my last year. And just that one year was like, I think it was $12,000, but now because of interest and all that, it's up to $18,000. But I got my payments down from one what was it? It was one something, a hundred something. Now I got it down to $5. And that is just from talking to them and negotiating, working things out, sending in paperwork and, uh, and just really working with them and showing them that uh, my intention, I really want to pay them. So for those of you who are avoiding those phone calls, don't avoid the phone calls. Don't think uh, I'm just going to let it go to voicemail. I'm going to avoid the letters, pick up the phone, talk to them, Ask them what you can do, work with them, figure out really if you have a lot of anxiety about what you owe and and the debt that you have, you have to face it. It's not going to disappear. And um and the only way to really the only the only way to get out of debt is to manage debt, but you can't manage it if you're avoiding it. So you have to face it, okay? Um, number four, drastically slash your housing and car expenses. A lot of times, uh, you know, the student loans, we get out of college and we're spending a lot on, uh, we buy a new car cause we got a job. Uh, we, we get a nice new house and a big TV. It's like, if you got to live out of basement, live out of basement, you got to live out your car, live out your car, cut things to a bare minimum until you you get a stronghold um, on your finances. And the last option is work less so you can enjoy uh, life more. Um, A lot of times we think we have to work more to enjoy life more, but if we really figured out how much we need to live the life that we want, then uh, we'd also find that we don't have to work that hard. And it'll make you smarter about um, how much you're going to pay every month. A lot of times... We get in debt and we go, oh, man, I got to get out of debt. The truth is you may never get out of debt and not in a bad way, but it's like, okay, you pay off your school loans, but then you get injured. So now you got these medical bills and then you pay off the medical bills and then uh, the the company, your your business partner defaults on some stuff. So now you got to pay 
you know, whatever your business partner paid. They're, they're, they're potentially, you have to accept the fact that you could always be in some debt. And so the key is not to get out of debt. Really, the key is to learn how to manage the debt that you have. What are the strategies? What are the tools? What are the resources available to you so that you can manage the debt that you have instead of how do I get out of this debt? Okay. So with that said, because all right, I was checking the time there. Um, with that said, let's get to, I was reading Tony Robbins' Money Master the Game. And in this, he talked about the six basic needs that we all have in terms of uh, emotions. Because a lot of times, his point, his, his, his theory is that um, we were chasing money because we think it's going to buy us something, right? Um, but the truth is, is that we're really chasing a feeling. I'm going to read to you what he says. He goes, well, if you're going to build wealth, you've got to know what you're really after, what you're building it for. Are you looking for wealth to feel certain and secure? Are you chasing wealth to feel special and unique? Or are you looking to have a sense of contribution? You want to do things for others in a way you've never been able to do before, or maybe all the above. If you value certainty at the most important, as the most important need in your life, you're going to move in a very different direction, act differently in relationships and business and finance than if love is your number one need. If we get underneath what you're really after, it's not money at all. What you're really after is what you think money is going to give you. Ultimately, it's a set of feelings, and beneath those feelings are needs. So, and he's true because, you know, there's, I remember when I had no money, and I was like, man, if I just had this amount, I'd be so happy and so comfortable. And then I got that amount. And I'm not happy and not comfortable. I'm not that I'm not happy, but it is is not the the lasting happiness and joy and freedom that I, I thought I would have, and is not the the comfort that I thought I would have. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so it's not about the dollar amount because I remember watching Will Smith say, you know, in an interview with Oprah about how he, you know, Oprah was like, man, you making all this money. And he's like, yeah, but I ain't got Oprah money. And he's right. It's he said he he was like, I still wake up, you know, afraid of of losing it all. And even though he has a he makes over a hundred million dollars a year, there's still a fear of losing it that's driving him to keep creating and producing. And uh and that's because his need is probably uh number four which I'll get to probably one and four. So let's get to the six basic needs because I think once you understand what your basic need is, then you can make financial decisions that are going to be long-lasting and make more sense and then will will help you manage your emotions more around money and also uh, help you make uh, smarter decisions that are lined up with your values versus just Trying to do trying to do things with your money because other people are doing it right. So, 
according to Tony Robbins, the first need is certainty and comfort. The first, uh, it's our need to feel in control and to know what's coming next so we can feel secure. It's the need for basic comfort, the need to avoid pain and stress, and also to create pleasure. Our need for certainty is a survival mechanism. It affects how much risk we're willing to take in life, in our jobs, in our investments, and in our relationships. The higher the need for certainty, the less risk you'll be able to take or emotionally bear. If you knew what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. Oh, I'm sorry. But if, but what if you're, you're totally certain all the time? If you knew what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. You knew what people were going to say before they said it. How would you feel? At first, you'd feel extraordinary. But eventually, you'd be what? Bored out of your mind. And that's true. A lot of us get into uh, relationships because we're just certain we know this person and this person makes us feel secure. But then after a while, we're bored. Um, I'm reading Esther Perel's Mating in Captivity right now. And she talks about that, how people get married for certainty and security and then they get bored and they, you know, they cheat with people who, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit for them. And they get mad at their spouse for being so certain and, and comfortable and, um, but it was the thing that they got into the relationship for. So, but you have to be aware if that's a need for you financially, then you're going to make decisions like you're going to put it in a 401k, you're going to put it in a savings account, things where you know every month is going to grow at a certain rate. Um, And then you, so you, and then you probably won't, and you'll probably put it in mutual funds, but you're not going to mess with like, stocks or especially like penny stocks and things like that that are very uh, volatile. So the second need is uncertainty and variety. Um, So God in her infinite wisdom gave us a second human need, which is uncertainty. We need variety. We need surprise. Let me ask you a question. Do you like surprises? If you answered yes, you're kidding yourself. You like the surprises you want. The ones you don't want you call problems, but you still need them to put some muscle in your life. You can't grow muscle or character unless you have something to push back against, which is very true. It, you know, it's we all want a little variety and uncertainty, but not too much because then it's an issue or a problem. And so it, you have to you have to weigh the the pros and cons of what you're putting your money into and be willing to, if you put your money into something that's risky, always be willing to lose the money that you, that you're putting in versus like, I got everything riding on this. Like that for me, it doesn't work. I I need more certainty than that. There's some people who live an all in kind of life. Um, that would just drive me nuts. I can't do it. The third need is significance. And once again, this is in a Tony Robbins book, uh, Money. Uh, the third need is significance, that basic human need that drove Adolf uh, Merkel. We all need to feel important, special, unique, or needed. So how do some of us get significance? You can get it by earning billions of dollars or collecting academic degrees, distinguishing yourself with a master's or a PhD. You can build a giant Twitter following 
where you can go on The Bachelor or become one of the next Real Housewives of Orange County. Some of you do it by putting tattoos and piercings all over yourself and in places we don't want to know about. You can get significance by having more or bigger problems than anybody else. You think your husband's a dirtbag? Take mine for a day. Of course, you can also get in, get it by being more spiritual or pretending to be. Unfortunately, one of the fastest ways to get significance that costs no money and requires no education is through violence. If someone puts a gun to your head, in that instant, he becomes the most significant thing in your life, right? So the third need is significance, and sometimes... Um, you know, I, I definitely want that, but not in a public way, um, just to make, I just always want to feel like I'm contributing or adding value to other people's lives. That's, that's important to me. And, and so in that way, I I definitely want to feel significant. I want to feel like I'm contributing. I remember one time I did uh, an escape room and it was like a bunch of, if you don't know what an escape room is, like they like you in this room and then there are a bunch of clues and you got to figure out how to get out. And you're usually in there with um, other people that you don't even know. And we were, me and my sister did it and we were in this room with people from who worked at, I think, Google. And these clearly were like people who were, they were just, if they worked at Google, they were smart, right? And I didn't feel that significant. I felt like I could just sit back and let them do all the work because their brains were just processed. I could tell their brains were processing things a a thousand times faster than mine. So I was just trying to stay out the way and uh, kind of work in my own little corner because I could tell that that they um, could they they had their way of working with each other that that flowed. And uh, and so I was contributing. I was trying to find significance in my way. And my sister was also finding significance in her way. And, and so at the end of it, we all contributed in different ways. Um, and, uh, and and it felt great. But we, we all do. We want to feel significant, especially if you're in a relationship. You want to feel like you're you're the you're that person for the other person. And and, you know, that's what is great. That's what's great about Having a pet is that they make you feel extremely significant every time you come home or children or your spouse, um, you know. So, yeah, that's definitely a basic human need. Uh, the fourth need is love and connection. The f- uh, Love is the oxygen of life. It's what we all want and need most. When we love completely, we feel alive. But when we lose love, the pain is so great that most People settle on connection, the crumbs of love. Ooh, that hurts. You can get that sense of connection or love through intimacy or friendship or prayer or walking in nature. If nothing else works for you, you can get a dog. And so that's great. Love and connection. We definitely, I mean, that's why I love going on a hike. That's why I love uh, getting massage and uh, scheduling lunches with friends. I was just talking to a buddy of mine last night about the importance of scheduling lunches, scheduling FaceTime with people, not just, hey, I'm going to call you later to check up on you or I'll send you a text. It's like, no, no, I'm, let's schedule a time to see each other, to, to a little FaceTime. Let's you know, buy a plane ticket to go see some friends. I'm excited that I'm going hiking with friends in, in August uh, up north in, uh, in Oregon. 
that's going to be great. I, I'm looking, really looking forward to that. I have a friend who just had a baby in, I think she's in, Com- not Cambodia, maybe Cambodia. I think so. And I've never been. So I'm planning a trip out there because, you know, I just want to see her and, and see the baby. And I never would have thought about that years ago. But now that I'm realizing the importance of showing up and, and being there for people and supporting other people in, in their life and what they do, and um, uh, it's become important to me that love and connection, that, that need number four. So if that's a need for you, you know, find, figure out ways, write that down, figure out ways that you can, you can be more loving and, and be more connected to the people around you, to your coworkers, to your family members, to your friends, to your community. What are some ways that um, you can feel uh, love and connection? Need number five. And this, I think, is my number one need. Uh, or, oh man, need and contribution. But uh, need number five is uh, growth. If you're not growing, you're what? You're dying. If a relationship is not growing, if a business is not growing, if you're not growing, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, how many friends you have, how many people love you. You're not going to experience real fulfillment. And the reason we grow, I believe, is so we can, so is so we have something of value to give. I love growth. I love watching the the growth of my podcast listeners. I love watching the growth of my uh, my my client base. I love watching uh, the growth of of my comedy and 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 my reach and my connections and uh, my friendships um, and my relationships. Just to to be able to increase my friends the. I just I love to watch everything grow, uh, whether it's plants, and I, you know I don't have any children, so um, I don't get to watch them grow. But I could imagine the joy I would feel every time, you know, marking that little mark on the wall to see how much taller they got this week is great. Um, but that's why you know some people have a garden because you you literally it's growing every day. Like how can you not? Uh, enjoy that. You have this, you plant this seed and then you come back a few weeks later. I mean, hopefully you're not leaving it for a few weeks and then thinking something's going to happen. Um, but then you have like a watermelon or, or parsley or cilantro or beets or whatever you're growing back there. But growth is is so important to, you know, the only place we don't want growth is in weight, right? We don't want to step on a scale <laughs> and and, uh, and see growth there, unless you're trying to get big. You know, you're trying to get swole. You got a bodybuilding uh, competition coming up. Uh, we don't want to growth. Uh, I, I got a I got a slight growth uh, on my forehead. I got a little zit. I don't like that kind of growth. But for the most part, it, it absolutely right. Like I love. Uh, to see things grow and connections grow and friendships and connect and uh, uh, numbers. I like to see numbers go up, you know, and I also, it's like, you know, this is the 29th podcast. So it's just great to be like, man, I, I, I just had one podcast and now this is the 29th podcast. And uh, so I'm excited. It, it excites me to see that number grow. Number six, the last one, is contribution. We kind of uh, 
brushed up on this one. Um, corny as it may sound, the secret to living is giving. Life's not about me, it's about we. Think about it. What's the first thing you do when you get good or exciting news? You call somebody you love and share it. Sharing enhances everything you experience. It's so true. Uh, whether you're watching a movie or a comedy, I remember I was watching, uh, I think it was Chris Rock, and I've watched it a couple times myself, but then I watched it with some friends, and I laughed harder watching it with friends, uh, even though I had seen it like five times. It's just something when you are able to share an experience with someone else, whether it's a movie, a food, like especially food. I think that like the the number one thing I think that's not being mentioned when we talk about diets and exercise and things like that around food is sharing the food. It's such a big thing. If you if you're cooking food, even if you live by yourself, right? If you live by yourself in, in like an apartment complex and you cook a lot of food and you have some leftover, ask your neighbors if they want the leftover. Be like, hey, I cooked this, it's some leftover. I'm not gonna eat it all. Do you want some? And that's how you make friends. Then they'll probably say no. But you know, you, you made the effort, you put yourself out there, and now you made a new friend. And now now you're you don't feel like such a stranger. And you could even intentionally make extra so you can take it to your neighbors. You know, that's I think, you know, historically and in movies is such a, a female thing to here's a pie, here's some cupcakes. Um but you know, as you know, for all the male listeners out there, like if if you make up a bunch of like chili or uh you know pot roast or something whatever but even if it it could be cupcakes cookies whatever make it and share it share you don't have to eat it all and you don't have to stare at it if you got food in your cupboards right now and you're like oh man like i, I you know i'm just going to eat it all cuz it's in the cupboards well then share it get knock on some doors hey i got i bought way too many uh, Oreos or Cheez-Its or uh, ice cream or whatever it is, like, do you want some? Because uh, if it sits in my fridge and my cupboards, I'm just going to eat it all. Like, get rid of that stuff. Don't don't be hoarding. You got to share. Share, contribute, give to others. If you've learned something today, share what you've learned. Contribute, give to others. Uh, share this podcast Share information, share, um, con- you know, and contribution doesn't have to be financial or physical. You can contribute by just complimenting someone. When was the last time you were like, you know what, man, you, you work really well. You're a hard worker. Uh, you do excellent work. You're, you're, you're really smart. You show up on time. I appreciate that. Like there's so like, you can contribute feelings and, 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 uh, and wellness to other people. So, don't feel like it has to be financial or something physical. You can contribute uh, feelings of, of joy and, and happiness. So know that you're powerful. Know that you're, you're not your debt. It, it doesn't determine your value. Um, and as promised in the beginning, I said, um, we're going to talk about the true key of wealth. And this is from Tony Robbins. It's gratitude. Gratitude. And I know you like gratitude doesn't pay the bills, but here's the thing. Some of us have what we've asked for 
And without even saying thank you or showing gratitude for what we have, uh, we're, we're now asking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and, and, and tomorrow and I, I want more. And, and that's fine. That's okay. But unless you can really be grateful for the, the five pennies in your pocket, for the clothes on your back, for the air that you're breathing, for the time that you do have, for the space that you have. I, I mean, whether you're living out your car or you're living in a, in a mansion, to be grateful. If, if you have kids, you don't have kids, just be grateful for where you, for the space you're occupying in this moment, right now. Right now, show gratitude. Ask yourself, what are the things you can be grateful for? And, uh, and that's how we're going to end this. We're going to end this with, you know, the three things that I'm grateful for. One, man, I'm so grateful for the bike ride I had today. I, I, me and a friend, we rode down to Hermosa. It was a nice long bike ride. It was a beautiful day, blue skies. There were clouds in the sky. Uh, birds chirping, there were kids playing, dogs running around. Uh, we watched a dude. Uh, we were just people watching and just making fun of people. It felt it feels great to just people watch and make fun of people. Some some it was this couple carrying a cat, and we're like, who carries a cat? And the cat had a harness on it. We're like, not only does it are they carrying a cat, but it has a harness on it. So they were trying to walk the cat, and the cat was like, I'm not walking picked me up, and then they picked up the cat. Uh, so we made fun of that and, and had a bunch of laughs over that. Uh, the second thing that I'm grateful for is I potentially will be performing at the Life is Beautiful uh, Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada in, I think, August, which is uh, in front of like 200,000 people uh, or 200,000 people attend it's a huge music and arts festival, but they also have comedy. And uh, some people uh, heard me talking about suicide during my uh, comedy set and thought I'd be perfect for it. So I'm super grateful just for, for, to even have the conversation, even if it doesn't go through. I'm just grateful that uh, th- they saw the potential and that my um it just it just feeds my mission and my purpose, and it just keeps me going to know that people are listening and it's being received and uh, and and making a difference. And then the third thing that I'm grateful for, I'm I'm grateful that like I get to see another day. Like I just like every day I wake up, I go thank you, God. Like I'm awake, I'm, I'm up. My my sister is healthy. I have three sisters. They're all healthy. They're all thriving. My mom is healthy. She just called me during a podcast. I'm not sure what she's going to say. Uh, I'm sure she's going to be talking crazy. As much as she drives me crazy, I'm always thankful for her health and um, and and just grateful for, oh, man. Oh, I'm, here's what I'm super grateful. This is ridiculous. I know. I get, I, I really get excited over really crazy things, but... Um, I picked up some uh, mustard greens, white mustard greens, which I'm always like exploring different greens to put in my smoothie. Like I put kale, spinach, apple, different things like that. But I picked up these 
uh, white mustard greens, which have a lot of uh, different vitamins and minerals. I get excited over when I find a new green. I always get excited because I like to look up the green and then find out like like how much iron and selenium and uh, you know vitamin K and and vitamin like and then what does it do? Does it is it an anti-inflammatory? Things like that. So uh, I love to look that stuff up, and uh, it just it gets me excited. I'm like, oh yeah, that's dope. So like I picked up this white mustard plant. And here's, um, is my internet loading? There we go. Boom, boom, boom. Use. No, 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 no. Oh, uses. Okay. It, so white mustard prevents infections, uh, increases uh, urine flow. So it acts as a diuretic. Uh, it's used for uh, appetite. It's used for coughs and colds, bronchitis, uh, it reduces inflammation, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm I'm excited about that. So I like to find new greens to put in my smoothie because I get tired of just putting in the kale and the spinach and things like that. So I'm grateful for that that uh, that I got to do that. I know it's a ridiculous thing, but remember, there's no hierarchy of pain, so that also means there's no hierarchy of joy or gratitude. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself, and um, and uh, I'm so excited about the the th- the next uh, few guests I'm going to have on. We have some marriage and family therapists on, and uh, I'm going to have actually two. There's going to be two separate episodes, so stay tuned for that. And then we're going to have Kevin Hines on, and so it's going to be great. It's going to be dope, and uh, I'm excited. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make the call if you need to make the call. Stay blessed.